We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the Wombo Combo Podcast. As always, I'm Breaky CPK, joined by BSJ. And another week is upon us here to talk some more competitive Dota 2. And definitely a bit on the docket today, so including some... You could almost say breaking news that took place uh, yesterday. We'll get into that in a moment, of course. But uh, looking forward to some more good discussion happening today. But as always, first things first, BSJ, it's over. You made it. You made it through the gauntlet of Dota 2 matches. How's it going, man? It's not too bad. Just uh, slowly settling in. Uh, Surprisingly, not too exhausted, but just kind of weird to not have to wake up at 4 a.m. and cast for a bajillion hours. So kind of just on the kind of the resettling of the of the equilibrium you know so, <laughs> i bet man it's yeah again you, you were at that gauntlet for grind quite a bit whatever you want to call it three plus weeks but uh back to normal life which is uh streaming dota 2 right so that's how you tune right before this so pretty much going from one type of dota to another type of dota exactly exactly so uh as mentioned of course uh we will be starting uh talking about that esl event uh you know one last time for yourself i'm sure but uh kind of wrapping it up but uh of course later on in the show we're also going to be talking about that that breaking news as i mentioned uh Peter Pandam, PPD, well, Franzi, some even call him way back in the day. Um, he's uh, announced his retirement as of yesterday from competitive Dota 2. And so we'll, we'll give our take on the situation and what it's all about, uh, as well as, uh, you know, a takeoff of that. We'll uh, we'll be giving our, our top list, uh, we'll potentially even top five lists of best captains of all time within Dota 2. 
in homage to, of course, uh, his his announcement of the retirement. So that that should be a fun discussion to have later on uh, in the show, and uh, look forward to that. So, um, but yeah, ESL man, ESL officially wrapping up uh, with that European CIS event. Of course, the one that uh, that you were grinding out over there. And let me pull the tab again real quickly. Close it on accident. There we go. All right. So. Ultimately, the winning team, Virtus Pro, taking it in the end. It did go five games. It did go the distance in the grand finals against OG. Believe it or not, OG, of course, getting there themselves. Ended up being a great grand finals and ultimately a great finish, as expected. But I remember, BSJ, last week's show, you were even hyping up the fact that Virtus Pro's looking really good. And sure enough, here they are. They win it all uh, in the finals. They, they take this event. Yeah, I... I was a bit surprised. I won't say a bit surprised. I was very surprised that Seeker kind of just bombed out in the playoffs. They actually went 0-4 in their two series that they played, uh, one of which was to, I believe, Viking GG, who got ended up getting third, but ended up getting stomped by OG in the lower bracket finals. Uh, Virtus Pro, yeah, I, I was already trying to be a bit blunt on my honesty. I thought ILTW kind of got carried. If you watch the games, I, I thought... It was like the Rezo no one show. I think the supports did fine. Like I think Zayach uh, did a great job like implementing his heroes like Enigma and Techies. They were really using his like cheese heroes from the four position really well. Uh, obviously, Solo is just the captain and does a solid job. But to be honest, it really just did look like the no one in resolution show uh, the entire the entire time. Like either one of the two of them just completely took over the game every single game. And uh I'm not trying to necessarily bash on ILTW, but a lot of me kind of believes that it, any high MMR carry could have been plugged into that team and they would have won uh, that specific specific uh, tournament. Because OG was playing with some stand-ins, yeah. and then Secret ended up bombing out. So, uh, Which, amongst all things, it was very impressive to me what OG did. I said I was almost more impressed with what they did because Sumail was on high ping, they were obviously playing with stand-ins, so all things considered, that the fact that they took the best of five to a three-two, and also even made it to the grand finals, was pretty cool to watch. Uh, the, the the Dota itself was great. Uh, it's obviously a bit frustrating to get back into pubs, like I talked about a bit last week, uh, <laughs> where you like have this vision of how the game's gonna go. You've been watching professional Dota for the last three weeks, and then you're just in pubs where. Your team picks three invisible heroes. <laughs> yes. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's there. There's a lot of ammunition out there, no doubt. It's towards Virtus Pro and the and kind, kind of getting to your point a little bit as far as, you know, do, do they really deserve this? Whatever. Um, yes, they did. We've talked about this event, how th this is the only event right now. I mean, there, there are other events that are happening, and we'll get to that actually later on in the show, too. But uh, this was the big event. This essentially replaced what was going to be the major, of course. And obviously, it's not the same feel, not the international-style event, not the LAN event, but it essentially was that in a lot of ways. Yes, the teams are using ringers. Again, okay, go back to there's ammunition. These are excuses that can't be made. I mean, you even look at the playoff run that they had to take. They had to defeat Team Spirit in the first round, and then they defeated OG twice. 
stole somebody claimed the title. You mentioning Team Secret being the big bombing out there, but that's not their fault. You know, they beat who they had to in front of them, and that, that's exactly what they did. So, but uh, but yeah, to say you know, it, it, obviously not in the hands of ILTW, or you know, you could have perhaps placed another carry in there. I mean, we are talking about no one in resolution, two of the better core players that we've seen in a very long time, certainly. And it's it, when you almost say it like that, it, it's crazy to think it's taken this long for VP to to look this good since their days of being the dominant VP that we've known them in the years past. So obviously I don't want to overhype and overexcite from this event uh, because I do think it's fair to analyze and look at the road that it took to get here and, you know, take into consideration what this event was with other teams and everything. But it is good to see for the sake of Veritas Pro and knowing the potential of this team <clears throat> with the roster that they were able to, to claim the title. So uh, definitely deserving for them, but uh, I, I'm with you too. Really, Viking.gg. Let's talk about them for a second because obviously this is a team that you you, you would go into this event and not are probably not even expect to get them out of groups, let alone get third place in this event, including knocking out Team Secret along the way. J- just to clarify, because frankly, I just confirm myself, and I'm sure there's many out there. The roster of Viking.gg is Shad, Boom, Toby, Aramis, and Celery. Those are names that you think about (laughs) when we're talking about top-tier European CIS Dota 2 competition. So they did barely make it out of groups. It's worth reiterating. They got fourth place in Group A with a 4-3 overall record. Uh, 8-8 against overall, but 4-3 series record. They squeaked through, but hey, they were able to climb all the way to third place before getting knocked out by OG, but to me, I guess the point here is it's really cool to see teams like this that, in a sense, came out of nowhere in a lot of ways uh, in such a big event and kind of make a name for themselves. Oh, yeah, they were. that was kind of the highlight for me. Them and Chicken Fighters. Chicken Fighters got fourth, uh, and they got third, obviously. I think Boom was a pretty huge come-out talent. I think if he can refine his laning stage, he'll be a top-tier player. He was kind of like a mediocre laner that just always did well in the mid game like every single game he would be slightly behind in mid and then he'd just go 10 1 and 20 or something on queen of pain was his signature hero for the tournament so if you're looking to learn queen of pain definitely definitely a player to watch from that last tournament uh on top of that shad their whole strategies kind of revolved around shad with like alchemist lycan uh they had boom play broodmother they were a lot of cheese picks but they were I, I respect cheese picks. I think it's really <laughs> hard to play cheese picks properly. It requires the entire team to work around it, adjust their play style, all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't always the same player on the cheese picks. So it was much. It was a very big team effort. Uh, they had the coach, I believe his name's Immortal Faith. We had him on an interview a couple times. He was very like excited to work with these guys. Basically just said, hey, you know, they listen to me. We're all humble. We're just trying to learn and get better. And you can tell in their play that they were over the course of the tournament, their drafts were getting better and better. And they were able to even beat secret. They beat OG, I believe in the group stage. So just a very hats off to their, to their effort, uh, despite having a rough last day, but it was really cool to watch the growth of teams like this yeah. from, from my perspective being like watching every single game. Yeah, absolutely. And we've already talked about it a bit in the previous shows because at that point even they were they're really disappointing. But teams like Team Liquid, of course, bombed out, didn't make it to the playoffs. Uh Nigma did have a bit of struggles themselves. They lost to Chicken Fighters. The other team, kinda almost surprised team that you're talking about, uh getting knocked out in that first round of the lower bracket uh themselves after 
getting at least to the playoffs initially. So uh, a couple of those bigger name teams that maybe expect more out of, not uh, not able to do too much. And Alliance, certainly another one as well, you know, earlier on uh, expecting a, a bit more out of them. Now, obviously, they went through that roster change, so maybe not the expectation of a bit more out of them. It's more of what were we going to see? And uh, they ended up, where do they, they, they got knocked out by Viking GG, in fact, right before then they went on to defeat Team Secret. So, uh, yeah, they, they too got knocked out in that first round of the lower bracket. So there's that, that kind of recap there in case uh, you didn't miss any of the matches, give you an idea of how it played out. But, again, they were playing for that $200,000 prize pool and Virtus Pro taking that first place portion. So one more time, big congratulations to them. Uh, the event as a whole, though, I mean – I, again, I mean, I know as far as commentating it and everything, it was it was definitely a long event. We've already talked about all that, but uh, were you happy you did it in the end? Now that it's over, <laughs> uh, I have no regrets. Uh, I kind of said I just wouldn't do it again. Probably, like if I was told, "Hey, you're going to do 12 hours of casting every day for 24 days straight," are you? Would you do it? Uh, I, I probably wouldn't do it again. But the experience itself with the guys I did it with, we talked about that a bit last week, was just. It was a pleasure to work with all of them. It felt like a very rewarding experience for everything, um, for everyone involved. And it was a bonding experience in the sense that obviously it reminded me kind of a, like football when I was in high school. Hmm. Uh, it, when we were all doing like two a days, like near the playoffs and the grind was just real. And you're just going through this really tough experience together and you all learn and grow together. And that's in, in that way, it's like a fun experience that you'll just never forget. Like if I'm sure if I randomly talk to Blitz and Grant or Cap, you know, 10 years down the road, we'll be like, hey, remember when we did 24 days of casting in a row? <laughs> uh, so in that way, it was pretty great. But no regrets. Wouldn't do it again. TLDR. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Um, but speaking of all those matches, of course, uh, from it, we got a lot of data. Uh, to say the least, as far as getting an idea of some meta trends, and you've already hinted at a couple of things. One of the more maybe surprising heroes that jumped up throughout the event, that Queen of Pain, uh, was picked up a fair amount. Uh, she ended up uh, somewhat in uh, the above average uh, place, but uh, just a couple of stats that maybe stood out. Of course, the most popular one, in fact, the most popular hero that was picked, Grimstroke, was the most played. Uh, had a 48% win percentage, so as you'd expect, around that 50%. Uh, but then shortly down the list, uh, one of the more played heroes, a top 10 played hero, had a 68% win percentage with that Keeper of the Light up there. It's again, whenever you see a top 10 hero with that 65-70% win percentage, you're like... Huh? <laughs> I mean, may, may, maybe a little too powerful right now once again. So, Coddle's back, baby. Yeah, that hero was in the right hands, just completely broken. The Chakra Magic was really what defined the hero. You could just double slide a fist on Ember Spirit. Any hero like Pangolier that has man mana issues uh, suddenly also has two swashbuckles, but no mana problems. Yeah, the hero was just way too good. I think Grimstroke was... Less good, but very good anyways. And since it kind of got read through every single game, obviously having a 48% win rate if it's like first round at every single game is, is pretty good. Uh, and Keeper of the Light was banned almost every single game moving forward. So mm -hmm. the Blinding Light was just a little too busted as well. Like the whole idea of like a save in the landing stage, he kind of countered all the other popular supports like Tusk. Uh, when he, whenever you tag team, you blinding light him. Whenever you Grimstroke Inkswell, you just blinding light the light guy away. So it's just very, 
And not only is the hero very powerful in its own right, but it was also very good against what was good. So I think that's kind of like why it had such a high win rate. Yeah, very fair. Um, it's something I always like to look at, especially for an event like this when there was so many matches played amongst uh, similar teams constantly going at it. And I think it's a good way to you know help understand, you know, maybe where the mate is at. There were four heroes that actually were not selected at all, despite all of these games. It was like something like 330 games were played. Uh, there was four heroes that were not picked. And I mean, we could play a game where you could guess, but I- I'm just going to go over them. Uh, so the four heroes that weren't picked were Chaos Knight, Clinks, Tinker, and Visage. So you look at that list right there, and I, I always find it interesting when Tinker specifically is is not because he seems like one of those heroes that like oh there's gonna be that one team that you know wants to play tinker and draw out a game or whatever and win with tinker but not picked at all in these 300 plus games that were played in this event so um of those four heroes anything uh that you'd like to add i think clinks is kind of like just a worse version of ricky like they're both like invis assassination heroes so He's just a worse version of him. Uh, Chaos Knight, kind of just a worse version of all the other illusion carries. Uh, like, there's just... The thing that defines these heroes is that there's just never a game, it feels like, where they were the best pick. So nobody's ever going to pick the hero. Uh, also, with Tinker, it's just not a turtle meta. Like, I would say even Sniper was a hero you hardly saw at all. But the difference between like a sniper and a tinker is that sniper can still offer some sort of offensive early game push if you want to like group up as four and have the sniper in the back sieging. But tinker is like 100% on the defensive for the first 25 minutes of the game. Uh And in the current meta right now, that just doesn't fly. Like you're just not, it's just not going to work. So despite tinker being like a very player specialist, as you said, usually a team will whip it out. Uh, the hero's kit just doesn't fit how the game is being played right now. And what was the fourth one? Visage. Visage. Yeah, I'd say he's just like a worser version of like Beastmaster, like and like all these other summon heroes. I think you'd just rather have their summons than Visage. I think his laning stage is also too weak. I think uh, a lot of the games, especially with the new patch, are decided in the first like 15 minutes. So if you have a Visage who's, I would say, loses their lane... 90% of the time one of like the weakest laners in the entire game unless it's like a tri-lane support and then you have like a support visage uh I, yeah i just think for tinker and visage those two heroes just don't fit the meta and for the other two they're just worse versions of other heroes yeah that's fair i mean uh dahawk wasn't he's of course uh playing for nip and that's something else we'll talk about here uh shortly but uh, he, he was known as that Visage player for Gambit last year, so that, that would have been one maybe you could have expected. But, uh, again, that not played at all. Not played at all. One of those four yeah. heroes that was not touched. So, uh, Any other stats? I don't know if you have them in front of yourself, but anything else that you wanted to bring up before we move on? Uh, Not really. I think a lot of it kind of explained itself. I thought what was really cool was like certain heroes like Centaur, who are super popular at the start of the tournament, uh, they were still picked some. But simply like one or two heroes coming into as like a solution to them made them no longer spammable first round. Uh, Like Tusk and Invoker were two of the most notable Centaur counters. And I think if you were to watch the tournament in full, you'd learn a lot about how fragile the balance of Dota is because there's this hero that's getting first rounded every game and then suddenly 
it's getting countered by these fourth, fifth picks that just ruin it. And since the bans in the first round don't really warrant you banning those heroes, suddenly this hero is not very good anymore. So mm -hmm. I really did like that aspect. And there's a lot to learn from if you watch tournaments like that in their full, but there are definitely trends you would never notice if you weren't watching every series. So for me, that was a cool aspect. I was trying to bestow that knowledge upon anybody who was tuning into the stream as much as possible. But the fact is, I think it's just really hard to, to gather that information for yourself unless you're just watching every game. Yeah. All right, so the event, good event, long event, but uh, had some good Dota. Again, very consistent Dota at a, at a pretty high-tier level, and that's, that's as fans, that's simply all we could ask for, right? So definitely props to you and, of course, the team of BTS for putting all that effort into work to uh, commentate on, uh, on the set event. I, I suppose ESL as well. It was their event after all. <laughs> so despite uh, BTS, of course, taking the reins as far as production goes uh, when it came to uh, the English coverage, at least, so... With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to esports to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Good event in the books, but uh, I think that that means we can move on to our next topic now. And again, it, as yesterday, earlier on, had no clue that this was going to be something, but it's one of those things throughout the week. Uh, sometimes this uh, bigger news comes out and it's one of those. Uh, th this certainly fits because, yes, we've had players, you know, they they've announced retirements, certainly in Dota 2 history. Uh, there's been some there's been some big ones, but this is arguably one of the biggest uh retirement announcements that we have ever had i think you could say uh peter pandam ppd officially announcing his retirement yesterday uh from competitive dota 2 uh there is a quote right here uh, so I'll, I'll just read through it real quickly um so uh, he said he says and i quote uh, i've spent just about the entirety of my 20s competing in video game competition and at this point in my life i'm almost 29 i'm looking for something else that i do not think i can find in my current position today i find myself focused on personal growth rather than competitive versus others and because of that i feel like i have lost the grit and ambition necessary for myself to be the competitor i'm comfortable being i don't feel bad about it as i believe change is a healthy and i'm eager to do something amazing and new in my 30s i'll be forever grateful for the people who believed in my abilities and saw the potential that i always believed i had no matter how objectively poor things may have looked in any particular moment uh, and then he goes on to thank uh, the fans and everything so end quote there um so yeah that was ppd essentially you, you you hear that it's basically him saying not not that he feels like he's too old for it but he is uh he, he's lost his he's lost a lot of his passion his drive and and frankly it's i don't i don't want to make this sound bad because i, I definitely don't mean it this way but as somebody that kind of knows him behind the scenes as well, it's not surprising to me. And I mean that because he is doing a lot behind the scenes and he has been pursuing more business opportunities behind the scenes. You know, going back to his EG days where he eventually became the CEO, as we know, of the, of the company. And then that, that all interesting time where then he wanted to play again and then 
eventually left the organization there. So, uh, but he, he certainly had ambitions to do stuff behind the scenes, and that's that's what it sounds like. Uh, that's what he's looking to pursue now. Now, what exactly that is, you know, don't know, but obviously in due time we will see. But um, yeah, your thoughts, BSJ, when you heard this announcement and um, he's retiring. I can't say I would have like predicted this happening, but I. I, I talked to Peter like a decent amount. Like I see him at events all the time and stuff. Uh, it's hard to explain, but like when you talk to No Tail about Dota and then you talk to Peter about Dota, like the passion between the two is very dis- distinguishable. And you could just tell that like what it takes to stay at the very, very top is just a pure love and just consume your life with dota and i and i don't think ppd wants to do that anymore like i could i could tell i i could kind of get that vibe from him for the last year or so and i think it kind of showed in his team's results i think it showed like when he did interviews he seemed like almost skeptical of his own team like in a way that was funny kind of but also like you don't i don't think you want that as a captain I think his impact on the scene has been like incredible. I'm not trying to this. I hope none of this sounds like I'm demeaning Peter. I I have nothing but respect for him. I think he's accomplished so much. He's offered so much to the scene as like, even with like NADCL and uh, obviously bringing NA from like the precipice of the abyss or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) The cusp of the abyss. I don't know. Um, other than him you have like maybe svg who is the other who's the other na captains right like you can't count fly and like yeah he's kind of an honorary one right but not really uh it's a sad day but i think it was kind of coming so i think i speak for a lot of people and just say i really look forward to seeing what he does and i hope to see it meaning if it's in some something esports related or whatever that we'll we'll get a chance to follow his transition to whatever he chooses to do like you said in his 30s uh yeah it's it's it, these are the type of moments that make you feel like time just flies and it nothing's does. permanent and it's like hard to fully process someone like him just not being in the dota scene anymore yeah it does it, it 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 for me personally again for i'm sure people know that with my my history with him as far as the han days go i i met him way back when we're talking about 2011 even time frame um it's and to think that that's almost been 10 years since i've been able to to not only know him in his competitive gaming atmosphere but uh seen him develop as a player and a captain over that time and and frankly earlier on especially i mean he was how do I put this lightly? Um, he he was an asshole, uh, as as many as many of these gamers were, you know, especially when when they are younger. Uh, he's always been somebody that's not afraid to speak his mind, and there is definitely moments where that that showed a lot more. Again, I go back to earlier on in his career. Now, as obviously he's gotten older, matured, however you want to put it, um, he's still not afraid to speak his mind. But I definitely he I think he's de- certainly done it in a much more respectful manner at times and uh, you it, it's been it's been awesome to see that growth um as far as again him being a captain obviously his his accomplishments you know we're talking about a ti winner here and yes it goes back to what he's done for the na scene um as a player and, and as a leader but 
Also, as I go back to behind the scenes too, this this is a guy that he tried to organize these in-house leagues consistently uh, multiple times, and that's something else. And he's always been an advocate of supporting the tier two, tier three Dota scene, amateur Dota scene, whatever you want to call it, and trying to make sure that you know we're not at a place in Dota two where we have these players that we have right now, and then you know what's next. He, he's he, from from my talks with him, at least from what I see from him, he is certainly somebody that has a vision in helping to make sure that the development of the game will be long lasting. So again, he hasn't announced anything official, but I really wouldn't be surprised if his next endeavor, at least, is uh, are more attempts to help uh, facilitate more the amateur side of the uh, Dota two scene, especially. So. Um, I look forward, certainly, as I'm sure many are curious as far as what uh, his next steps are. But, uh, yeah, officially retiring uh, as of yesterday. Now, just this has been brought up already by many. And my personal take on on this, what I'm getting at is we've seen eSport players retire before to then come back months later, weeks later, even at times a year later. Um, It could happen. It certainly could happen, obviously, if the right opportunity comes up. But uh, this this really is one of those that I, I just don't know if I if I see that taking place. I think he's he's fairly content with this decision. We're talking about a player that's made over just just about three million dollars in prize money, according to his Liquipedia. I mean, that's that's obviously a good chunk of money. Helps support himself, and I know going back to the whole business side of things, certainly has made some good investments. I'm sure, um, and and we'll see ultimately in the end. But uh, yeah, future is is up to him, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see where where he ends up as a non-player now moving forward so anything else to add uh, i'd say that i definitely don't think he's coming back i think that that's like he kind of did his whole stint with eg like you said and and there's players that you're not 100 percent sure if they mean it it even applies to other professional sports but I, I can just feel from him you know like yeah. you can just tell that the competitive aspect of dota he cares about real life. Like Peter is a pretty well-rounded, well-rounded guy. Like that's the big thing is you can tell that he cares a lot about personal relationships. Like I'm not just talking like girlfriends or anything, but just like developing like business relationships, friendships, like being a well-rounded person. He wants to see things and like not just be consumed by Dota. And there's nothing wrong with either side of this, but I just don't think he fits the bill of somebody who would play forever. And, uh, that's really all I have to add. I think he's, I think he will always have a stamp in this game. And I hope, like you said, that he continues to participate with Dota in other ways. But um, I guess the future will just have to tell us that itself. Hey, something a topic that we've talked about a couple of times more recently is, you know, the idea of coaches even. And you got to kind of wonder if that's a possibility, a team going into TI coming up or future TIs. Obviously, he's you got to think PPD's on a very short list of, hey, we're looking for a coach. Uh, you want to help us out here? So that's, uh, that's certainly an avenue I could see him uh, still being involved in. But because, again, for, from what I understand from the quote that he gave, it's just as a player, he is uh, retiring from competitive Dota 2 there. So, um all right, so yeah, so official retirement announcement. Uh, so as mentioned earlier too, we figured a fun kind of take on uh, this announcement here that we could uh, make of this a uh, fun discussion to be had is top uh, captains of all time because it goes back to PPD certainly is uh, an one worthy of mentioning when you're at least thinking of putting a list together. Um, and figured why not uh, why not give out other names and. 
Uh, see, for me, <laughs> it's like putting in a top list. I'm sitting here thinking, like, I suppose, uh, I suppose, I could try. I, I might be able to g- give at least like a couple top top couple, but I don't know if you uh, you yourself prepared much for this, but. Um, uh, I, I, right when I see the question, I, I can think of several names. There's obvi- there's the obvious ones. You have Puppy, you have Kuroki, the ones that not only have won TI at some point, but also are remaining on top teams as captains. And pretty much wherever they pop up, you know, they, they are top tier captain. Uh, I, I, I'd probably just prefer to go by region, like the first person that stands out to me. It's usually somebody that's on the top tier teams. Like for me, it's Jabs from SCA, uh, somebody who's not necessarily – always appearing on teams or sometimes he's a coach, but Zhao eight is like the big one from China for me that always stood out. Like if you think of a Chinese captain, you think of Zhao eight. Uh, and then from Russia, I think of solo or like CIS, mm-hmm. I think of solo. Uh, obviously like it's not, it's not as a coincidence that the teams are always on FMG <laughs> comes to mind. Uh, but these players, like if you look at the top 12 to 12 or so teams in the world, the captain is what remains the same. And uh, you look at SA and they're starting to have captains, even like Layla's kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, I like when I think of beast coast, like I don't really think of their captain. So it's kind of (laughs) different there, but uh, it's just really cool because when I think of SVG, when I think of NA, I think of fly uh, partially when I think of NA, but it's not really like a secret answer. It's kind of, beautiful in its simplicity of the fact that like these guys are all on really good teams and they're always on them so yeah the answers kind of should just be right in front of you no tail obviously like uh, you know it's to make sure i don't (laughs) i I was gonna say that if you didn't so (laughs) yeah (laughs) so in case that's like the obvious like sometimes it's kind of like when somebody says what's a good hero here and you don't see the hero list of 120 heroes it's like hard to envision all of them but yeah no tail obviously uh yeah, I I think captains define competitive Dota, so you'll see them on pretty much every top team, the top captains. Yeah, that's a, it's a, the consistency is a big thing. It's a good way to make solid judgment of you know how truly effective their their leadership is and and captain role. And I, I think I think that's fair to sit here and and have the debate, the argument that's like, oh, you know, who's your top three or who's your best captain of all time? It's it, it's almost kind of silly in in a sense because they're they're great for their own reasons like in, in my mind i see no tail and puppy as you, you you could definitely you know interchange them on a list or however you want to put it but their their captaining role their the ways they they go about being a captain certainly feels a bit different right we're talking about no toes more a little more freedom a little more lighthearted, a little more fun side uh, at least uh, this is all from the outside perspective and the little bit of relationship i've been able to build with a couple of these players again no toe being one of them from the history there but um he's certainly again just more of this fun joyful guy we've seen it in the, in the videos and everything um and when it comes to even the drafting uh definitely more you know team-based etc where puppy on the other hand you know he's had his history, right? We 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 know we know about the monitor and everything. We we know about uh, the the strictness that it seems like Puppy really brings to the table. And hey, it's it's definitely had its own results to be fair as well. So uh, whether or not you're, you're critical of the way he does things, it has been successful in the big scheme. Now, obviously, it hasn't won the TI uh, there there yet, but. Uh, work working on that, but you you guys as far as as far as other captains go, um, Kuroki. Then you kind of think of what he's about. He's very 
not outspoken, right? He's very calm, very cool, calm and collected, I certainly think is, is a good way to put it. Uh, so he was definitely another person that I had on my list as well. Uh, one other name that I actually, I, I, don't, I don't know if you mentioned, but uh, mentioned Xiao Wei, of course, from China. Another Chinese captain, though, FY, I think, is certainly um, one worthy of putting up there, especially more recent years with uh, LGD and, of course, uh, Vici Gaming before that. So he definitely would have to be another one uh, of consideration there. Uh, for a list but yeah solo as you mentioned fly was fly fly is an interesting one because i i can see there's a lot of people out there that would be critical of fly with the whole og drama that took place but obviously he had massive success with og at the time was considered the captain for them has been considered the captain for evil geniuses and even though they haven't again one ti they've certainly had uh some amazing results themselves so um and I I also would put him on this recognizable list because, as I always go back to you, the Hondas as well. He was an amazing captain, considered one of the smartest minds back there as well. So, And then one that <laughs> I found myself, I'm like, God, I, I want to be biased, but I, I it's hard to really vouch to put him on this. Uh, my boy Melons, I, I, I've always respected what he's been as a captain. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to put him on this list. But I think it's a... Uh, an honorable mention, at least, worth putting out there. So, yeah, it's he's obviously had a pretty massive impact on the Dota scene in general. So, whether or not it's partially as a captain, but also as a caster, it's an analyst. I, definitely one of the household names of the Dota two scene. So, no, yeah. worry, no, nothing wrong with throwing him on the honorable mention list. By the way, I, I completely misspoke right there. Puppies won a T. I don't know what I was thinking. He won T. I won, obviously. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I. Way back when, man. You know, you know what's interesting about TI1? I okay. was actually at TI1. Really? I was at Gamescom uh, that it was at in Germany. Uh, I was there for a Han event. <laughs> and, man, wow. yeah, times were different back then. I, I was there with, there's a, who was I there with? I was there with Hani and Overpal. I don't know if those are names that you recognize, but uh, re- pretty old school Dota, Dota 2 players. Hani. Yeah, Hani is a very old school back in the early Dota days even. Overpal. So not as recognizable, but uh, definitely has had success. Um, and they were they were helping us run our, our Han booth. And again, we remember hearing about this million dollar tournament and wondering, you know, what's going on about it, what to expect. And I definitely walked over there a couple times, heard Toby casting and the setup was it was, it was a solid setup, but. They, they were having a lot of sound issues, and obviously this is a very early stage of the game with minimal heroes in and everything, so I was like, all right, this is cool, but, you know, we'll see where this ends up. Well, it ended up pretty uh, pretty damn good in the end. So. Yeah, I remember seeing the hero pool for TI1 being like 40 yeah. heroes or something, anti-mage every game, I think anti-mage doom every game, something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. A little bit different, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dota's come a long way. And seeing people like Peter retire just reminds you of that kind of stuff, right? It does, BSJ. It really does. It's, it goes back to the, I mean, again, I'm still young in the big scheme, but in the, in the esports side of things. And just, it it is kind of cool, though, to be able to say that, you know, we've been around esports, Dota 2, whatever you want to say for, for this long as well. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was a, certainly a reminder of that, but, it's also a reminder of there's still much more to come, much more to come. Dota 2 esports in, in it all. So excited for the fun times ahead, <sighs> including uh, more Dota 2 because <laughs> there we, we've talked about how ESL is 
obviously what was kind of the event and everything. But to be fair, and you go to the Liquipedia page, you certainly can see that there's a lot of these events taking place. I think more and more organizations are stepping up or realizing whatever that, okay, not a whole lot going on in the land scene, obviously. Let's uh, make a point to, to run these events. So we've already talked about a bit the, the BTS Pro Series at the Americas region. Uh, they've been throwing on that event. So a quick, uh, quick update there. That's those eight teams from South America and North America. Uh, of course, worthy note is that Evil Geniuses, they are running with a couple of stand-ins, Ryoya and Bulba, uh, in place there for Abed and Ramses. But uh, Team Crazy, Team Crazy is actually 6-0 and series record, 12-2 and in the group stages. They are right now in a dominant first-place position uh, in the groups. Of course, it's then to qualify for the playoffs, so still more to come. But uh, it's kind of fun seeing a team crazy all the way up there, especially when they got a couple of players uh, over from Europe competing on their team. You dropped Eternal Envy plus one and you got (laughs) European players and you're suddenly pretty good. (laughs) Just had to throw. How is Cloud9 doing? Okay, Cloud9 stepped it up a little bit, BSJ. So we got to give credit where credit's due. They're three and four now. So I'm at the end of the day, I'm kind of memeing, but at the same time, like, it's not too shocking that that roster, like I think Kezu's a nice strong voice for a team. I think Skeeter is like a pretty up and coming Dota player from the carry role. I'm pretty sure I've heard some questionable things about his, I don't want to say like toxicity, but his like mentality. So I think that's something if it can be worked on, he has a lot of upward potential. So I just think like a team like that could really use some foreign influence and Brawl's one of the few mid laners in NA that if you have, like, if you're against CCNC and you don't have, like, Brile or, like, Sumail, you're kind of just like, well, I guess I lost. <laughs> so, uh, wow. yeah. So I think overall it's not too surprising, but to be quite frank, I haven't watched any other Dota than the, yeah, that's fair. Than the 24 days in a row of the, of the ESL line. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I haven't actually watched like why they're doing good or what have you. But they are. They're on top right now. There's only one day left. It looks like actually tonight. Oh, no, so there's two days left. There's tonight and tomorrow. Uh, so Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the playoffs start shortly after that. So yeah, so again, BTS uh, doing coverage of that with their commentating team there, and you can uh, keep an eye to see how that plays out. Uh, crazy uh, as mentioned up top right now. We also have Quincy Crew, Evil Geniuses, Business Associates the top four that make that right now uh another event that obviously the the chinese dota scene it's we don't follow it as much uh as as a region over here but it's worth pointing out i mean the chinese dota 2 professional league is going on right now uh their season two as they put it and you got all the best teams in china competing in this online event they have this uh, 10 teams in fact playing it out and it's a they they're week four right now it's they do this more kind of almost traditional sports format where you know every single week each day there's like one series maybe two series that they play so uh, they definitely have, are spreading it out but yeah i just wanted to mention that it's worth uh worth checking that out in case you weren't aware of course uh depending on the time zone there and some good uh chinese dota 2 going on um there's a what- lot of stuff going on you if you're somebody that wants to be watching dota right now there is cons- I even saw a Reddit thread that was just like, wow, every time I turn on Twitch, there's a there's a league game going on somewhere. So yeah. uh, it's pretty nice for that. I think right now is a nice indication of what next season, whenever that may start, will be like. <laughs> whenever and that think, may start. Yeah, yeah well, and I assume it's going to start at the end of TI and 
when is T.I. going to be? Uh, I was going to say, I hate to say it, BSJ, not to bring up Ben. Man, it's like, if T.I. happens? I mean, T.I. is going to happen, like 99% right? I'm 99% sure it's going to happen. It's just yeah. like, is it going to happen next year? You know, when is it going to happen is, the, That's is fair. the huge question mark in the air. I don't see why they would skip a T.I. I guess it could effectively lead to skipping a T.I., where it's like, you know, the T.I. is in like, next beginning of next year or something maybe if if the world pandemic really does last that long which is quite possible you know uh, yeah uh it could literally just be skipped where ti10 is suddenly next year what about like ti region based so what what, what if they just pull an esl in that sense and are just like Dude, you know what I, I i think that would be so fucking lame i'd rather like <laughs> have nothing than that uh if you you can do something like that, but do not call it TI. That's like, fair. Do, yeah. Do not call it TI. So, yeah. If they want to do that, uh, whatever they, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure whatever can be done in the meantime is going to be done. It sounds like, from what I heard while I was at the event in ESL, like everyone's all the studios are trying to gun for having their own tournaments. They're fighting for not fighting, but like organizing and settling in for like who's going to do what when their time slots are, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, I, I can only say that the Dota economy isn't going to hurt too much. It's just a matter of what it's going to look like mm-hmm. uh, in the meantime. Yeah, and to your point that these events kind of popping up, th- this is one that popped up out of nowhere for me at least, and I'm sure several others. But uh, we play, we play is always solid on the throwing these events. You and I both worked for them, love working with them, and yet again coming through with some more uh, awesome Dota coverage here. It's, they're, they're picking up right after ESL, where they have the European and CIS uh, regions, uh, the dominant teams in those regions are competing in this event uh i'm double checking on that yeah pretty much every you got secret virtus pro enigma og they're, they're all in this event so uh it started yesterday i want to say uh i believe it started yesterday with their uh so they actually have two divisions so that's what they're doing here they got their main division then division two but point is yet another event to keep an eye on and this one actually has a two hundred fifty thousand dollar price pool i mean that's yeah, they're all pretty decent size for sure online tournament two hundred fifty thousand dollar price pool. that is it it's, goes back to man it's crazy how far we have come along i remember when mouse pads for third place were a good price <laughs> <Mouse So. pads. laughs> times have changed up. man for sure yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's fun to see. So yet another uh, bigger event. And, again, you head over to Liquipedia. And also, by the way, quick shout-out to Juked.gg. It, speaking of all this eSports in general, let alone Dota 2 happening, uh, that's a fantastic site. And I know we're on a, we're on the site as well uh, with our podcast. But uh, it's a fantastic site for keeping a schedule of everything that's going on. And it's also a great way to – you just go to the site and you're like, oh, here's this tournament and here's this tournament. So it organizes it very well. Uh, definitely, I would recommend. I wasn't even asked to say this. I just, frankly, I think they're a good service. So um, check it out if you would like. He so. was paid to pull, say that, guys. I might have been. Uh, we won't talk about that. All right. Uh, I think that uh, pretty much covers it, though, for today. Not, uh, not anything else unless, uh, as always, BSJ, going to give you a chance if you I'm have gonna anything I'm going to refrain else. from any rants this week. Had All a right. solid rant last week, and maybe uh, it's – Time for people to get a break from it. You get some good feedback on that rant. <laughs> yeah, people came to my channel saying like appreciated the rant or like like glad you were honest about it or whatever. But yeah. I think rants only have the amount of impact they do if you don't do them all the time. 
you know yeah no and it was real too which i think is important like it it was it was genuine and i think that's good yeah it's just funny because like and when i'm casting and stuff there are a few series where i just shit on one of the teams where i'm just like wow that was just such a bad series like and i'm like i don't think this means anything if i say it a lot but if i say it twice throughout the course of the entire event i would hope that carries some weight that i was you know thoroughly disappointed in that team for that series so To be fair, though, uh, at the end of the group stage, I know you're a Liquid fan. I guess the last thing we can say is Liquid did look pretty strong. Blitz seemed pretty confident, too. He was like, you know, we don't suck. He's like, we just <laughs> didn't figure out the meta yet. We're not trash. Like, don't worry. We'll make, we'll make it back. So going for you there, uh, I can tell you from the inner, inside inside scoop that they're pretty pretty confident despite their terrible results at the start of the group. Oh, we figured out the meta for this big event, and we got knocked out of the group stages. Oh, by the way, a patch just came out today. Uh, yeah, in case you didn't see that, or for those that are tuning yeah, in, seven point two six eight. Yep, that's uh, that came out today. So I was actually just scrolling through it real quickly. I mean, obviously, there's changes in here. I we're already running a little bit longer in this this episode though, so don't uh, want to really get into it. I think too it will much, be but... better to talk about the changes and what they mean in about a week because it's really hard to tell. Sure, what anything good point means exactly. So we'll save that for next week, and obviously another week of Dota will be had then and give us a better idea too as far as how it, uh, it all impacts everything there uh i think we're good then i think we're good to start wrapping things up so as always ladies and gentlemen want to thank you for tuning in uh subscribe to the channel like the follow the channel even <laughs> say youtube here uh but follow the channel subscribe if you would like it does help support uh, not only our, our podcast but the prediction podcasts in general and from myself Frankie cbk as well as bsj a wombo combo podcast we'll see you next week have a good night until then